a big transition that was very important for me was really owning my expert status as the owner of this company. For a long time, I really struggled with that kind of story of like, I can't possibly rely on myself to know what I should do next. Someone else should tell me. But then sometimes they would give me an idea. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. So then I realized I'm like, but wait, maybe I do actually know. And if I don't know, I still am the expert filter through which all these recommendations and ideas need to filter through. And when I stepped into that role of recognizing, like, I do have a lot to contribute, you know, this isn't just a fluke. This is like, no, I do have business acumen. I can follow my instincts. That really, really, really helped me. And it made me less reliant on all the programs. And because, right, you can just spend all your money signing up for all the groups and all the programs and all the experts. When what you need to do is just need to get in there and try something and learn from it and then try the next thing. Are you interested in learning more about owning your own portfolio cash flowing rentals? If so, we invite you to take our free mini course, the Crash Course in Cash Flowing Rentals. When you take our mini course, you'll learn the strategies we use to build our portfolio. You'll also get to see several of our students featured who have successfully built their own portfolios as well. To take our crash course, link to semiretiredmd.com forward slash mini course, M-I-N-I dash C-O-U-R-S-E, or visit our website at semiretiredmd.com and link to the crash course on cash flowing rentals there. You may also want to join a waitlist for our introductory course, Zero to Freedom Through Cash Flowing Rentals, while you're at our website too. We'll see you there. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth, Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. We are so excited to have Dr. Katrina Ubell here with us today as a guest. Welcome, Katrina. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So we knew Katrina going back a couple years now. We've hung out at a lot of uh, development programs together, and it's been a lot of fun. And we are so excited to have you here, Katrina, today to talk about entrepreneurship because you're really one of the most successful uh, coaches who have gone out there and created programs for doctors and coaching. And so can you tell everyone a little bit about you and your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a pediatrician and worked in private practice for over 10 years. And really my entrepreneurial journey came out of me solving for my own problem. So I never grew up ever thinking like, you know, I want to own a company someday. Um, My grandfather had been an entrepreneur, but like I never met him. He had died before I was born. So I think there's a little bit in, in the family, but like my dad definitely didn't have any of that. And so I never, ever, ever guessed that I would, you know, own a company by myself. I did think for a time, like maybe I'd become like a partner in my medical practice or something like that, but that was probably the extent of it. 
And I really, you know, I have an engineering degree in undergrad. Like I don't have any business background. I, you know, never had even really paid attention. Like I remember being like, like, now what exactly is marketing? Like I didn't even know what like a lot of the words were learning, like what revenue is and, and, and things like that. So my issue was that I just was struggling with my weight so much. It really started to be an issue in medical school and over the course of, you know, all of my training and then into many years into attending life, I just kept gaining and losing weight. And I just could not figure out like a way to lose the weight and keep it off. So like I could follow some strict plan and deprive myself and feel awful, get mm-hmm. the weight off. But then I would right away, you know, eventually go back to my old habits, gain the weight back again. And then the cycle continued and continued. So I was approaching 40 years old and kind of doing a life reevaluation, like a lot of people do with milestone birthdays and really just started thinking like, this doesn't make sense. Like what I'm doing here, you know, I'd had my last baby. I'd lost that weight, swore to myself. I wouldn't gain it back again promptly gained it back again and was just like, but even like logically, it does not make sense. Like this is like the doctor brain, the engineer brain going like, but it does not make sense that the only way to, you know, live at a healthy weight and to feel like normal around food is to have something that's very controlling where you have to like spend a lot of time planning and preparing and counting and logging. And like, it just didn't make logical sense to me. So I sort of thought, you know, I got to try something different obviously what I've been doing isn't working through that through a very circuitous path. I ended up finding, well, first I figured out that I was actually an emotional eater, which I had rejected. I was like, no, I'm actually really highly functioning in my life. You know, I had a very judgmental viewpoint on like what emotional eating was. And through this process, I I was kind of introduced to the idea that like, okay, but if you're eating for any reason other than fuel for your body, that's eating for emotional reasons. And I was like, oh, well, okay. I mean, if that's what it is, then yes, for sure. I do that. You know, I definitely do that. And then I started realizing like, well, hold on. What's an emotion? Like, I don't, you know, I'm not someone who's like very openly expressive from a feeling standpoint and stuff. So I found life coaching and it really, really changed my life. Like it really helped me to understand uh, why, what I was doing before wasn't working and what to do to actually solve the weight problem. So I lost weight that was in 2016 And it changed so many things for me because I'd really thought like a big issue too, was just the unpredictability of my life as a doctor. It's it's, I was like, you know, if you live a a life where you have a normal nine to five, like, yeah, maybe you can have enough predictability where you can eat in these ways and plan in these ways. It didn't work for my life. Well, then I was like, wait a minute, I can take all these tools that I just learned and I can apply that to the unpredictability of a doctor's life. Like if I'm the one, if I was out there searching for someone to help me as a doctor, maybe there's other doctors who need this help too, who think the same thing, that's not possible for them because of their schedule and you know all their commitments. And that's really was the start of the entrepreneurial journey. I was like, there might be some other people who want this help. It helped me so much. I was like, I can't keep this to myself. Like the people need to know this information. It's so life-changing. And so that was really the beginning of it. And I mean, the, the learning curve, especially in the beginning was so steep. I didn't know. I would say I knew like less than nothing. I was like a vacuum. Like I had to learn everything, but you know, it's also fun to have a new challenge. I was starting to feel a little stagnant in my medical practice and it was something fun and different to try and also then helping my clients to get results. And I'm like, oh no, this works not just for me, but for other people too. And then it just really was kind of like, you know, the snowball turning into the avalanche from there. Yeah. I think that's 
part of the reason how almost all of us start out, right? We have a problem for Kenji and I was that we had this incredible schedule where we had to schedule time ahead of time. Just incredibly kinda, bad schedule. Yeah, it was. I mean, <laughs> we were scheduling out like a couple months in advance right. to see each other. And that was our pain point, right? And then once we figured out real estate and we figured out, well, we can work whatever we want in medicine, you have to kind of tell everyone about it because you're so excited about what you've learned. And and I think as doctors, we love to teach in general. And that's mm-hmm. what we spend a lot of time educating patients. Well, we want, if we find something great, we want to tell all the other doctors about it too. So that makes complete sense. Well, we also want to help people as well. Yeah. Right? So contribution being a big part of fulfillment for us. And so uh, that was a big component of, of helping others achieve what we have achieved. Right. Yeah. That so I can nice. totally see that. How did you decide, though, that you were going to go from a one-woman show to building actually a big company? Like, what was that transition, or did it just happen kind of gradually, or did you know that from the beginning? It for sure has happened just kind of gradually. I feel like just sort of in general as a person, I have a hard time with like a big picture vision. Like, you know, people love to spend like, what are you going to be doing in 10 years? And that's that's a hard exercise for me. I, I mean, even just one year feels like a lot to me to be planning that far out. So uh, I think if I had if I knew what I would have in several years, it would have felt so overwhelming that it probably would have just really slowed me down. And I much more just approached it as like, what's the the next best step or where do I really need help? Or where is there somebody that I could bring in who can do this thing way better than I can do it? And then they should be doing that. So that first hire, I think is, is, you know, often just like the most challenging. I was really nervous about it. Just hired a virtual assistant and, um, and so, you know, went through the process and, and she's still actually in my company today, um, and in a totally different role, but she, um, she really came in and helped me to figure out like, how do I do this with somebody else? And, um, and I think it was like 10 hours a month to start with. It was really just like some, you know, helping me with the email inbox a little bit, you know, just some, like some basic stuff. And then over the course of time, she was able to help me really start to build things. And then it was like, you know what, I need some help with this coaching. Like I can't run this business and do all the coaching. And then it just started developing from there. But I think for me, it really started as like the, the commitment to contractors felt less heavy or, you know, like (laughs) looming or, you know, like uh, scary in the sense that I knew that, you know, these people are doing their job and like, I'm just a client of theirs and they can get other clients, like if this doesn't work out. So that helped me to just feel a little more free to bring them on, try things. And then over the course of time, it became clear, okay, now we need to actually have employees and we need to, you know, it, it and understanding the difference in, you know, and I'm making a generalization here, but the difference in the quality of the work that somebody does when they're employed by you, then as a contractor, and there's amazing contractors out there for sure, who do excellent work, no matter what, but, you know, so there's something to be said for having someone in your company where their whole entire job is to just think about your company and your clients and how to best serve them that you're probably not going to be getting, you know, from a contractor. So it was a very gradual progression. And if I'm hundred percent honest, there's times now where I'm like, oh man, remember when we were smaller? Like that was, that was kind of fun too. I think it can be easy to think that like bigger is better and it's just different. You know, there's great things that come from it. And then there's other things like, you know, building teams and learning how to manage people and how to lead people and things like that, that I just had never really thought about too much. 
Yeah, I want to highlight what you said was you thought of the next best step. And I think if you think about that long-term vision, some people can get overwhelmed. And I love how you really thought about the next step and then figured out once you had that person in your company, what was it what you needed next? Do you have any advice for people who are saying, well, what is my first step? Do I go with a personal assistant? Do I go with, you know, somebody who's who's a VA internationally? Do I go with a local person? Like, how did you kind of navigate those waters when you're first starting out? If you still remember, I know that was a long yeah, time. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it really just came down to, um, you know, it's kind of like when you think about even, you know, being an attending out in practice, like, you know, there's, I mean, for sure, there's doctors who are doing all the stuff, but like, why do we have a medical assistant or a nurse? to help us with the things that we don't have to be doing. Like as a pediatrician, like, does it make sense that I'm spending my time giving people shots when somebody else could do that? I could be in the next room, you know, serving the next, uh, the next patient. And so I think you get to a point in the business where you realize like, you know, I can do all these things. I am doing all of these things, but you know, someone else like really likes to do these things that I don't really particularly care to do. Um, or things that just aren't the best use of my time anymore. I think for, you know, for sure, like people say this all the time in business, it's like you either have time or you have money. And um, so, you know, if you want to work 60, 80 hours a week, like for sure you can do it all yourself. Um, But, you know, I was doing this also when my kids were in school. So I never even ever had even 40 hours a week to work on the business because I was dropping them off, picking them up, like the whole thing. And so I knew, well, you know, for me, spending money is going to make more sense because I don't have the time. So I think, you know, also for doctors who maybe have built up a little bit of a nest egg, they also can go, hey, you know what? Like I actually have the money. I can make this financial investment. And then in terms of who to hire, I... I think that's such a good question what you asked for. Cause like right now, my assistant, my, my assistant is like my executive assistant, but also does personal stuff for me. I think I felt at the time, like, no, I just need help with the business. It's funny because like, you know, I mean, we're obviously like financially sound as a family, but like, I, I'm much more conservative with the business's financials than I am with my personal stuff. Like I'm much more like, well, I'm only going to spend that if I'm sure, you know, it's like, it's almost like, I feel like the custodian of the business Mm -hmm. and making those financial decisions versus like making them for me. But I personally chose to hire someone in the U S versus an international VA. I mean, I think that, that both can be amazing. I know a lot of people love both or one or the other for their, for specific reasons. I personally just love the idea of creating a job for somebody in America and, um, and that's really why I made that decision. I think the other thing actually though, too, was, um, I was concerned about some time zones or like, um, you know, like there was at one point I like hired a graphic designer as like a test project and she was in Australia. And I started to realize what it was like working with her. Like everything took forever by the time she got it to me and I gave feedback and then it was the middle of the night. And then when she gave it, it just, it took so long. I thought, you know, just having someone who's like working these hours, even like, you know, I know there's some people in other parts of the world, they're working like all night long to be able to work daytime hours for us. And I was like, I don't know if that actually melds well with like the wellness component of my business, (laughs) you know what I mean? But not to judge other people. I mean, I think it's amazing and it helps other people in the world in such an incredible way too. So I think you just have to kind of think about for yourself, what, what's a values alignment for you and, and what you're kind of envisioning. Now you say you started in 2016, which really is really early on for a physician entrepreneur. I mean, I just think about all the resources that are available for somebody who is just coming out thinking about starting a businesses. You know, there's courses, there's communities. Now I'd imagine in 2016 it was pretty early on, so there probably weren't those resources. So what was it like for you, and how did you figure it out? Like, what did you do? Like, did you 
draw on resources outside of, you know, the physician space? What did you do? Yeah, I, you know, part of my coach training that I did, there was a little bit of business help like that. Like it was mostly like, you need a website and you need to have like an about page and on your about page, you should talk about you and then you need a work with me page, you know, yeah. like real basics, just kind of like laying it out. Like this is what people are going to expect. They kind of introduced the concept of Facebook ads, but didn't really do much with that. It was kind of like, oh, that's a thing. You could run ads on Facebook. Like, so it was very basic. And then after that ended, I knew like there's more to running a business that I need to learn about. And through some of my fellow, you know, coach students, I heard about Marie Forleo and she Mm -hmm. was running her B-School program. So I signed up for that and and really made sure that I participated. And I really learned a lot from that program as well. I mean, I still refer back to things that I learned through that, that course. It was very, very helpful for me just in terms of like broadening that base of understanding and building out, I guess, sort of like a foundation for myself on like, where do I get help from? And then Amy Porterfield, Online Marketing Made Easy, I think is what her podcast is called. Um, I learned a lot from her. At first, I remember listening to that podcast and feeling so overwhelmed. It felt like everything was so way past me and and it was just like too much. But I started to actually resonate with things. And once I was ready to move away from one-on-one sales calls to webinars, I bought her webinars that convert course, which now I think is folded into something called Digital Course Academy, which I don't have. But webinars that convert, I was like, okay. I mean, here's the thing: we're good students as doctors. I'm yes, like, okay, tell me how to do a webinar, and I like followed the, you know, her steps. And that was another big turning point for me in terms of being able to do like one webinar and fill a group instead of doing, you know, spending a whole week you know, one-on-one talking to people, convincing them, like it was a way that I could really start to scale and things like that. So, so there really have been lots of, um, you know, different kind of components. I've worked with, you know, a few business coaches along the way, but I do just want to mention that a big transition that was very important for me in the process was really owning my expert status as the owner of this company. For a long time, I really struggled with like, well, I need someone else to tell me what to do. That kind of story of like, well, I don't know anything about about business. I mean, I can't possibly rely on myself to know what I should do next. Someone else should tell me, but then sometimes they would give me an idea and I'm like, well, that's not going to work because of X, Y, and Z. So then I realized I'm like, but wait, maybe I do actually know. And if I don't know, I still am the expert filter through which all these recommendations and ideas need to filter through. Like I hear what you're saying. And then how do I make that make sense for, you know, my business and the people that I serve. And when I stepped into that role of recognizing, like, not like no one can help me or I know everything, certainly not that, but like, no, I do have a lot to contribute. You know, this isn't just a fluke. This is like, no, I do have business acumen. I can follow my instincts. I know how to think things through to make a good decision. That really, really, really helped me. And it made me less reliant on all the programs. And because, right, you can just spend all your money signing up for all the groups and all the programs and all the experts. When what you need to do is just need to get in there and try something (laughs) and learn from it and then try the next thing. So I think that moving into that expert role in the business and knowing that nobody knows better than you how to run it. And then you hire people to give you ideas or to help you with things. I think that can make a really big difference. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. 
Now we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. I think that's a really important thing for people to hear because that's a mistake I've made along the way too, is thinking, well, they're experts. I'm not an expert. I don't know how to build a business. So I need to just go with whatever they're talking about. But they don't, a lot of times the experts don't understand the people you're speaking to at the level that you do, especially Mm -hmm. if you're one of those people, right? We were those people. So we understand. And if you just take the expert's advice ad hoc and just implement it, you do yourself a great disservice in your business, a disservice because you actually know a lot more than you think you do. Mm -hmm. And I'm just reiterating it because we've made that mistake. I've made that mistake along the way. And I want people to hear uh, to trust themselves and trust their intuition to some level too along the way, especially, you know, for our students building real estate you know, empires, they're going to build teams. They're going to get a lot of advice from outside experts. I mean, property manager might tell them, hey, you know, you should set the rents at this. But a lot of times we have students pushing back and saying, you know what, I've gone out, I've looked at the numbers. I really think rents can be higher. And then they suggest that and they do it and they get the higher rents. So trust yourself. It's not always that the experts know everything. You know a lot more than you get credit for. What kind of mistakes have you made along the way? Can you name maybe like one mistake that you think would be helpful to our people who are just starting out with their real estate portfolios? Um, oh gosh, well, I've made lots and lots of mistakes. <laughs> or we could say tried a lot of things that just like did not work. You know, I think it's easy to look at, you know, other people's companies and just be like, you know, they whatever, like have the magic wand and it always goes easily for them and they never struggle. And that for sure has not been um the case for me because like entrepreneurship is amazing and it's also really hard. And and you know, some of us really like even the challenge of it. When it gets really hard, I'm like, oh, but also like I'm gonna figure this out. You know, like I love, I love that challenge. I mean, one thing that really sticks out is several years ago, I had <laughs> the the whole impetus for this is so interesting. I had actually hired a publicist because I was working on uh, attracting an agent, like a literary agent to be able to promote, you know, or try to get a book deal. And so the way it works in the world to figure out how big your platform is or your audience, people just go to social media, right? Cause they don't know like how big your email list is or how many podcast listeners you have or anything like that, but they can see how many followers you have on Instagram or on Facebook. And so I hired a publicist knowing I'm going to be getting to that point. And I want like my Instagram had like a thousand followers and I literally posted nothing. Like, I don't know where those people came from. They're like, maybe in case she ever changes her mind, (laughs) you know, I'll be ready and waiting. So we thought, okay, let's actually put some, some focus onto social and work on building this. And so we worked on getting me onto 
you know, different podcasts and things like that. And then, um, and then kind of the publicist sort of felt like, you know, I'm kind of hitting a wall and I thought, well, what if we just bring some people who have a bigger presence or a bigger following onto my podcast? Like maybe that could be a way, you know, they could cross promote or things like that. So we thought of different authors who, um, who had had successful books and without naming any names, a name came up on somebody who had been like on Oprah several times, like a really successful doctor that um, really was like a pioneer in her field. Like, like really, I really, really um, respected what she had done for women's health and stuff. And, and it kind of worked out like her book, her seminal book was like coming out on like a fifth edition or something like that. So I was like, great, let's have her on. And so I interviewed her several months before I actually released the episode. Cause sometimes with, you know, sometimes you can just yep. sort of back things and then use it later when, you know, whatever. And, um, this was like toward the end of 2020 and without getting into lots and lots of details, basically, um, my team and I, we did not do our due diligence on her. Like I just was going based on her like previous reputation. And so by the time that this thing comes out, which I still maintain was a good conversation and like still useful. Um, it turned out that she on social was just like promoting all kinds of like conspiracy theory stuff, like off her rocker, let's just say, and definitely not ma- mainstream, you know, opinions and stuff like that. And so, you know, the backlash was swift <laughs> and people letting me know like what, like, you know, and of course we didn't talk about that on the episode, but the way the world works these days, right. It was like, no, you know, if you're promoting that person then they find the social media page and then they might be sucked into that or whatever. And so, you know, I had to pull it down, which I'm still bummed about because the episode itself was useful. But like, I mean, to be honest, I really thought like, you know, and I know some people did, they're like, I got a lot out of that. And also I'm not going to follow her because I don't agree with that. But, but other people aren't able to kind of see that nuance. So, so that was a mistake to not do the due diligence to figure out like kind of a little bit, like, who am I getting into bed with here? Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to be like, well, I met this person and they seem great and they seem like they'd be a good collaborator. We could cross promote or, you know, different things like that. And, and, you know, you just got to be careful. I know I'm not the only one who's been burned in these ways before, like other people have too, in various ways. It's a good idea before you really move forward to just like check a person out. It's just the way of the world. Um, but that was one where I was just like, ouch. I mean, and and luckily it was like kind of right before Christmas and it blew over really fast. Like people were just like over it and on to the next thing. And I think, you know, I think I'm proud of how I handled it. But um, yeah, that was a definite stumble for sure. Yeah, I think I um I heard some advice, I don't remember where, where it's like when you meet somebody the first time, you have a great relationship, you want to jump right in and start doing business with them. But I think there is something to be said drawn out of this experience of giving it time and seeing how the person shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's a referral partner or somebody else that you maybe even want to bring into your business, but just show see how they show up you know, weeks and months before you move forward, because they will show you who they are. And Mm -hmm. in that first meeting, if you make an agreement uh, and you don't know them really well, you can really end up making mistakes. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good kind of thought that comes out of there. Mm -hmm, For sure. Definitely. And, and, and even to this day, you know, I really, I really do think about things a lot more and like, what, what's, you know, I mean, occasionally I ask someone on my team, I'm like, I need to do a deep dive internet search and they've come back, you know, I've been on Reddit. I've been on everywhere, like looking, like really finding out like, what is this person about? And I mean, that's just, I think due diligence at at this point, you know, I think that's, that's the smartest thing. 
Yeah. And, and we've all had stumbles, but we brush ourselves off. We learn from it and we keep pushing forward. And so uh, maybe this will kind of uh, lead to the next question, which is, you know, what what is the secret behind your success? Because I think, you know, you're one of the top coaches uh, and uh, especially in the weight loss space. And and just, just so curious to kind of see, like hear from you directly, like, what do you think has been the key to your success? I mean, I think a big part of it is just keeping going, you know, like, I think it's easy, especially when something is a side gig, you know, or like, you don't really need the money. Um, It's, it can be easy when it gets hard, or just life gets busy, or you have other commitments and stuff to let it go by the wayside. And that was actually something that happened for me very early on, because my husband is also a physician. And without my like meager earnings as a pediatrician, we were still just fine um, in terms of like, you know, meeting our savings goals and, and you know, paying the mortgage and stuff like that. So, um, so my business really didn't need to succeed for us to be financially healthy. And I did have a period of time early on where I was just kind of like having this thought of like, I don't really have to do this or like when it got harder, I didn't really feel like doing it or I was procrastinating. I had this thought, I don't really have to do this. And then it was, you know, several months into that where finally I I somehow one day just was like, okay, it's true. You don't have to do this. That is a true statement, a true belief. But the fact is I do want to do this. So I don't have to, but I want to. And if I want to, then I need to start showing up differently in this business. Like I need to actually work, you know what I mean? Like I need to actually put time, effort, energy into this and learn what I need to learn and go make offers and and do all these things that I need to do. And that was like a really pivotal shift. It's come down to like, even when it's super hard and I just want to be like totally upfront and honest, like I have times where my brain's like, listen, you could just sell this thing or just close it up. (laughs) No one will blame you, you know, like, like just run away, you know, like these, these fantasies. And I'm like, well, what would I do then? Like, I probably would just start another company. And if I'm going to start another company, then I probably should just keep the one I have, you know, and just work through this. So, um, so I think it's, it's just continuing to move through the hard parts. I also continually work on myself. Like I usually have, you know, I I mean, always at least one coach or, you know, therapist or some sort of somebody who I'm working with on myself personally to give myself the support that I need. And so that I'm really growing as a business owner and as a leader. And then the final thing though, is I, I, I think what really drives me now, you know, it's really fun in the beginning to really focus on revenue. It's like, Oh, so much money. And Now, I mean, yes, I'm not going to say it's not fun to make money. It totally is. But I think at a certain point, it gets to be like, it's almost like monopoly money. It's like, okay. And still, if I don't like my day to day, that's still on me, you know? And so I really focus a lot more now on the impact that I want to make. Like, even when I sort of feel like reluctant, I also feel like for some reason I'm being called to be the person to help the medical establishment understand that the way we've been helping people who struggle with overeating and their weight is wrong. And there's a better way to do it that actually really can help people. And so like, even with my book coming out and everything, sometimes like the visibility of it was like very terrifying. I mean, and by terrifying, I mean, like physiologically, my heart is up, rate is up. I'm like sweating, you know, like really, really scared. But at the same time, I'm like, but someone needs to hear this. They're waiting for me to get this information out into the world. So if that's the case, and somehow I have to be the messenger of it, then yes, I'm willing to go through this uncomfortable time. I'm willing to stretch myself. I'm willing to do things that I you know, don't know how to do well yet um, and learn how to do them better to be able to get this message to the people who really need it. 
Yeah. Um, with all of our students starting to achieve financial freedom, I know that this question co- comes up when people ask us, but also that with them reaching this kind of crisis point of, if I have plenty of money, why am I still doing this? And what I hear from you is it's the challenge, it's the growth, but it's mm-hmm. also that contribution piece, right? Mm-hmm. And and I just want people to hear that because it's the contribution piece that's really driving a lot of what you're doing. It's knowing that you're making that difference in the world. And so people might look at the outside and say, why, why continue to work? Why continue right. to work hard? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that lots of people think that, but it's the same way for us. It's, it's that the growth, the challenge of it, showing what we're capable of doing to ourselves and, and self-confidence comes from doing hard things. Right. So that's the, the growth piece for ourselves and knowing that if we quit, like, what would we do? We wouldn't have that kind of we would look for another challenge, basically. Mm-hmm. Right, that me too. I know right. I would. So yeah. then I might as well. Right, and then, <laughs> and then it's the contribution piece because when you see lives transformed and you know that you're helping make a difference, that's ultimately what continues to drive and grow. And so you understand why really successful billionaires are still working. It's mm-hmm. because of those two pieces. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hopefully, people who have achieved financial freedom hear that um, because there's no joy, I don't think, in going and sitting on a beach for the rest of your life. Well, and I just also think from like, even like a brain health standpoint, like, you know, when you look at people who are like in their seventies, eighties, nineties, who are really like doing so well, they often are still working or they're contributing in a really meaningful way and contribution by default will involve challenges. And I think like we're just as humans, like built to come up against challenges, figure them out. This is how we feel good. Like we get pleasure out of accomplishment. Like it gives us meaning in our lives. Not to say that reading a novel on the beach can't give you meaning in your life, but like for 40 more years, you know, like, I don't know. I think especially for doctors, just because in general, we are just more driven people. You know, we, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I went into medicine, I expected to be a doctor my whole career, you know, of course that changed. But um, I never really thought of it as like, you know, what I want, this is like a means to, you know, uh, me being able to just sit around all day. You know, I think we work too hard. It's like the amount of effort you have to put into just even becoming a doctor, like says a lot about who that person is and like what they're willing to go through to accomplish something. So I think it just like being open to like, you don't maybe even have to do this thing that you're doing. Maybe it's something else, or maybe you're volunteering in some capacity that, you know, also challenges you. But to just like sit around all day, at least for me, I mean, if if that works for somebody, amazing, go for it. I'm not going to judge that, but I know for me, that's not the right thing. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your book and how that fits into all of this. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, (laughs) why would I write a book, right? I was telling you guys before I started recording, it's been about three years since I started the process and now the book is finally out. Um, I decided to write a book because, you know, my podcast is called, called Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. And so you would think it would just be doctors listening to this podcast. I started it in the beginning of 2017. And um, over the course of time, just even looking at the podcast reviews, um, I could see that more and more non-physicians were also listening. So -hmm. people would say things like, well, I'm not a doctor, but my doctor said that I should listen to this podcast and it's really helped me in all these ways, you know, or I'm not a doctor, but I was like looking for weight loss podcasts. And I thought, Ooh, what's different for doctors? Like, I want to know, or they'd say, you know, I'm not a doctor and there's all these like medical examples, but I can still filter it through my own life. And it still is really helping me so much. And like people are losing tons of weight and it's making such a big difference. So of course, then they're asking, 
how can I work with you? Like, is there something else that you offer besides this free podcast? And I only work with physicians. So, um, and even just like, you know, other healthcare people, you know, people who are physician assistants, um, you know, nurse practitioners, like people who are really like right on the outside there, you know, but they're not obviously going to go to medical school so they can, you know, come, come work with me. Um, so it kind of made sense to me in like a threefold way. The first way is for, you know, a, a woman physician who's interested in learning more about my approach before she decides to work with me. The book is a great way to get really just like an introduction and an idea of like, I mean, certainly it's not my whole program at all, but it like gives you a really good taste about what is actually going on here, what needs to be different and how to approach that. Then I was also thinking about all of these doctors, right? They're recommending my podcast doctors, right? Almost everybody has that servant's heart, wants to help people, yet we are under such time constraints about what we can offer, even as a pediatrician, like the number of things that we were supposed to be telling and advising and anticipatory guidance, you know, Mm -hmm. like require, I mean, there's just literally no possible way you can even touch 20% of it in the amount of time that you have with the family. So I know doctors want to help their patients lose weight in a better way, but they don't have time to get into it really in the office. And then they're recommending a podcast. Like I have my 300th episode coming out here very soon. Can you imagine your doctors? Like, you know, you need to go listen to this, this podcast. Here's 300 episodes. Like it's so overwhelming. You know, I just thought people need like a book. They need something that just will encompass it all. And it makes it so easy for doctors to then go like, Hey, you know what? Are you interested in losing weight? Pick this book up check it out at the library, like whatever you need to do, like listen to the audiobook. like get, this is, this is the help that you need. Then we, you know, come back. I've even had some doctors tell me like they are, you know, having a few copies that they can just lend out to their patients. Um, and then also for people who just found my work on their own, who are like, I just want something. Do you have anything for me? <laughs> you know, and we do have that and, and helping them to see how hiring a coach could help them, even if it's not me. Um, you know, just to help them to get that, um, that initial help, or maybe even be able to work with a coach and say, Hey, could you read this book? I would like coaching, um, you know, through this process that's, that's in here. So I really kind of thought of it as like, you know, really this multifactorial impact that can be made with this, with this one book. And so it was worth it to go through the whole process of, you know, proposal and agent and selling it to publisher and, you know, writing it and all the marketing and all of that stuff. It's, it really is something to be proud of. Like, you know, this is like to, to the point of like, just keeping going. It is so easy to quit the process of writing a book, like every step of the way. So to continue on and, and do it anyway, um, you know, I got COVID like right before the initial manuscript was due. So it's like, you know, I would, I would <laughs> just kind of get to a point where I felt good enough that I could, you know, work for a couple hours editing and stuff. And you, you just keep going, you know, you just do it. Yeah. Love it's it. quite a process. Yeah. We're in the middle of it. And yeah, hats off to you for putting in all that work that it does require. And getting it done. Yeah. Love it. And uh, looking forward to our signed copy and and, dig- <laughs> and digging in. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, so we're going to uh, close with our uh, last two questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, what is your definition of wealthy? You know, I mean, I don't want to say something like that totally trite, like, you know, it's not about money or whatever, because I think it partly is. But to me, like, especially having success in the business, I've realized how that is fun and it makes life easier having money. But like, it really, that's a piece of it. So for me, true wealth is, you know, having the finances that you want to have, or kind of like overflow, like having more than enough. Um, 
while also living your day to day in a way that you want, you know, like, so like whatever that balance is, like, so you have time to take care of yourself, time to do your work time with the people who are important to you. And I think it's like that whole package is true wealth. Awesome. And then what is one mindset habit or strategy that separates someone who is wealthy versus someone who is not? That's such a good question. Um, I think, I think that there's just for a lot of people who struggle with money, I think there's just a lot of mental drama around money, around debt, around just all of it. And I think that the, the, biggest like strategy. I mean, certainly not a tip because it's much bigger than a tip, but just recognizing, like, think about how everybody, you know, everybody says when you're buying a home, like for yourself personally, like, don't let, don't let it be emotional. And even when you try really hard, like you're already envisioning all your stuff in there and like you're celebrating holidays there and stuff, you know, it's like so hard to not be emotional about it. But I think like when you can recognize like, okay, here are areas where I get, you know, uh, emotionally charged, whether it's around fear or, you know, old programming that you've picked up along the way, like it doing that due diligence on that really helps you to then be able to not only earn money, but to keep money. I mean, I know you guys know way better than me, how many physicians are still living paycheck to paycheck because Mm -hmm. they've got this very, you know, uh, elaborate life, you know, uh, that they've kind of created for themselves that costs a lot of money. And so they're still worried, um, about, you know, um, paying bills and things like that. So I think it's, it's understanding how to manage yourself emotionally, right? Like you don't need more things or memberships or cars or whatever to get you to feel the way you want to feel. They won't be able to help you to feel the way you want to feel like that's your job with your own brain. And I think that's actually really, really good news, you know, cause I think, right. They're like, well, now I've spent all of this money and I'm still not happier. So maybe something's wrong with me. Like nothing's wrong with you. You have a human brain. And so learning to, to manage that and work with it, I think is, is the best way to accomplish that. Yeah. The happiness doesn't come from external circumstances, mm-hmm. right? That's something we're trying to teach our kids too, because mm-hmm. if you learn that, uh, I mean, I think most of us learn that at an older age, um, but if we can teach our kids that when they're young, right, that they don't need to go to Legoland to be happy, that happiness starts just sitting in in your room reading, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need that external circumstances and stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Appreciate absolutely, it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us, Katrina. Can you tell people how to find out a little bit more about you? And, uh, and then we'll put the links below. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, my book is called How to Lose Weight for the Last Time, Brain-Based Solutions for Permanent Weight Loss. So that's available anywhere books are sold. And I also recorded the audiobooks, so that's available on Audible and um, I think Apple Music or I don't know, wherever you can buy audiobooks, you can <laughs> you can get that as well. And then uh, my podcast is Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. And um, and I also have a bunch of free resources on my website, which is katrinaubellmd.com. Thank you. It's been really fun to spend time together after not seeing each other since COVID. Um, Thank you so so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. 
You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.